Hey everybody, Josh Neighbors here, Locked On Big 12 Podcast. Today it is the 4th of January, 2022. And on today's show, a look again, talking about TCU. But really, what does this mean for the Big 12? This is more of a Big 12-focused show. Having a team playing for the national championship, not just about it generally, but in the current climate that college football is in, in the transition that college football is going through right now. What does it mean to have a Big 12 team in the college football playoff championship game right now? So thoughts on that coming up on today's show. You are Locked On Big 12, your daily podcast on the Big 12 Conference, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Once again, Josh Neighbors here, Locked On Big 12 Podcast. Make sure you guys subscribe to the channel. You all have been so great to the show, subscribing, uh, help us keep getting that thing up. We're over 3K subscribers. We'll set some more goals about where we want to be here pretty soon, but please subscribe, tell your friends, like the video, leave comments. If you all can't watch the video, make sure you guys find us wherever you get your podcasts. Also follow us on Twitter at LOBig12. You guys can find me at Josh Neighbors underscore. Uh, so I mentioned it in the open, but wanting to talk today about what does this mean for the conference that the Big 12 has got a team in the national championship game. And there's a lot that goes into this. I think we have to start a couple of years ago, obviously with the Oklahoma and Texas news, but even if you want to go before that, right? Um, Oklahoma kind of still keep hitting, you know, keeps hitting its head against the wall, right? And then the 2020 season, weird COVID year, OU still wins the league, Right. That off season that we go to, um, that's when we get the news in 2021 that Oklahoma and Texas are leaving for the SEC. And at that point, there's a lot of concern for a couple of reasons. Number one, I mean, obviously monetarily, that was the huge concern because of the estimates of what Oklahoma and Texas mean to the league. And, and not saying meant, they still mean a lot to the league right now. We're, we're hearing about that as we discuss what it's going to take for Oklahoma and Texas to leave the big 12 early. So what they meant mean still mean it was a huge deal. And also you have to consider Oklahoma's real stranglehold on the big 12 at that time. You know, the, the streak that they were on in terms of winning the big 12, it was just challenger after challenger coming up short against the Sooners and you felt like you were losing the power and then the sleeping giant in Texas. And also Texas being a couple of years removed from being in a Big 12 championship game. So still there was that threat there, you know, that these were the two big brands. One of them is your kind of repeat champion. One of them is your team that's going to go into the CFP and all of that. Um, and just massive panic, I think, from a lot of people, right? Would other conferences come and pick up the remaining teams? Would this thing get disbanded? Where were we headed from that standpoint. And I think a lot of us were worried and I was especially worried because at that point in time, I was, you know, in year number two for me at Sirius XM as a producer, mainly, I mean, I work on the big 12 channel, big 12 today is my show with Robbie Triano. So here on, you know, you guys see on here all the time. And, um, you know, it was obviously really important to me. And also at that point I was less than a year in to doing this podcast locked on big 12. And so, you know, those being two important things in terms of uh, what I care about, but also my life livelihood at that point, 
it was very concerning. And I think a lot of you all, you know, a lot of you all out there who watch this are massive fans of college football, massive fans of college sports in general. And obviously a lot of us who love college sports, sometimes our identities are tied to our schools. For me, you know, identity wise in terms of like media, a lot of this is tied, you know, to the big 12, right? I work hours every single week on the showers every single day on this show. I work hours on the big 12 radio. Uh, it's a huge part. You know, big 12 takes up a lot of my headspace. Obviously very concerning, right? Obviously didn't feel like it was heading in a positive direction. Then you get to the, the addition of the four new teams, right? So things began to stabilize just a bit. And you have that 2021 football season where Baylor and Oklahoma State go on and win the Big 12. Not only that, Oklahoma State turns back OU the final week of the season to make sure we have Baylor-Oklahoma State in the championship game. And obviously, there was a lot of talk of could Oklahoma State make the CFP if they win. I don't think they would have. I still think Cincinnati would have gotten in, which in the grand scheme of things is okay because Cincinnati is going to be joining the big 12, right? So that's pretty exciting. Um, and they get turned away, you know, literally at the goal line in that, in that game. And furthermore, they both go on to win their new year's six games, right? Oklahoma state goes on and rallies past Notre Dame. And then also you have Baylor beat Ole Miss. And bowl games are always not super significant, but I think to have those two final results felt important, at least to us, it felt important. Not saying people are going to remember what happened to that Notre Dame game, not saying people remember what happened in that Baylor Ole Miss game. Obviously, you fan bases out there, uh, respectively, will remember as you all should, and you all should celebrate those victories. But, like, you know, it was just important, I think, in, in the kind of the space that to happen. And then you get to this season, right? And then we have the news about UCLA and USC. So that's actually before this season. But you have that news about USC and UCLA, right? And, you know, now there is this kind of war happening between the other leagues because with USC and UCLA, which has kind of now finally been resolved, they're heading over there. The the Super 2 is happening. That is a thing that we know for a fact is occurring. The contract for the SEC, whenever that comes up, is going to be gigantic. And obviously we know that the big 10 is in the billions, the big 10, you know, big 10 making billions. Uh, the bees are getting the job done, right? So the bees are making bees. And that is now, uh, you know, what we've been dealing with, right? And there is this fight, this proxy, you know, this war happening, you know, a kind of league versus league, but like really for that third spot to kind of be considered, you know, and uh, it's being fought, you know, between, uh, you know, with these guys, George Klyavkov against, Brett Yormark for the stabilization and, you know, for that grabbing that spot and trying to make sure the leagues are good and television contracts and all of that stuff. And it's still being fought, like not saying it guarantees the big 12 is going to be the third best league or whatever, right? The ACC, you know, they've got a bunch of really good brands, better brands in the big 12, but in terms of football success, Clemson's their top dog and Clemson is now kind of on a little slope downward We'll see if they can rally, still getting tons and tons of five-star talent. It looks like FSU with a 10-win season could be back. Miami, obviously, recruiting extremely well. They follow them that blue-chip ratio right now and, uh, you know, about teams that could win because the amount of talent on their roster. We'll see what Mario Cristobal can do. Uh, but still, those brands, you know, Clemson, FSU, Miami, they do carry some weight. But in terms of success, the Big 12, you know, is is right up there uh, in the last couple of years, the ACC, lack of success, whatever you want to say. Clemson, obviously, in the whole picture has done better because they've won. But the last few years, you know, the ACC has not been in the picture 
the Big 12 finally got back into the picture this year with TCU being there. And so this kind of this this battle for that third spot is happening. But really, we've been focusing on that Super 2 and the idea that they will break away. Today's Locked On Big 12 podcast is brought to you all by our friends at BetOnline and BetOnline.net. BetOnline is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every pro and amateur league out there, from pro football to college bowl season to basketball in the World Cup. They've got it all covered at BetOnline and BetOnline.net. If you love sports podcasts, they've got those too. You can find those at Bet Online. They're always the fastest and easiest way to get that sports betting info, whether it's the NFL as the postseason is about to begin. College football with the college football playoff championship game coming up on Monday night. College basketball season is in full swing. The NBA is there to bet on. There's soccer, MMA, and boxing, and much more at BetOnline and BetOnline.net. BetOnline, it's where the game starts. Maybe the sport holds together, but it feels like the breakaway could actually come because those two schools or those two conferences, rather, are going to be lapping the field in such a significant way. And then that brings on this season. And we have been on this show talking about the amount of disrespect that TCU has had to deal with from folks who people I respect, like, you know, Paul Feinbaum, and then people that you don't really respect when it comes to the college football space, like Stephen A. Smith, right? Having to, you know, talking about it, even uh, Keyshawn Johnson getting in there, uh, Mike, the mad dog, uh, you know, or Chris Russo, excuse me, Chris, the mad dog Russo, um, you know, uh, him getting in there and saying, and, and them saying stuff on ESPN and whatnot. And even, we even saw this the other day, like this has become the narrative now, and I think this is part of the conversation here that the Big 12 is always going to have to fight for more respect. After Oklahoma and Texas leave, they'll still be fighting for respect. Even after now that we've had back-to-back seasons where it has been, you know, it's been Kansas State, TCU, Oklahoma State, and Baylor in the Big 12 championship games, no OU in Texas in the Big 12 championship game. And even with TCU's success now playing for a national title, that is still something they're going to have to fight with. But but and once again, we saw it this week, like Michigan choked was I think was was what we talked about was what was being talked about, right? Uh, did they play their best game? No, but they still got beat, right? They 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 got beat. TCU, I don't believe it's just Michigan choking. There are two sides to every single street. TCU also didn't play the game of their lives, right? I mean, they ended up giving up you know over 500 yards of offense, and they they turned the ball over three times. They just had more answers in the end of the game than Michigan did and made the most of their opportunities where Michigan did not hit a junk play, get stopped, get at the goal line, get stopped again, fumble the ball, all of those things. Uh, that's what it came down to, who made the most of their opportunities. Um, it, but that's something we're still going to have to have to deal with in this in this this space, college ball space moving forward. With that being said, like it was monumental for the Big 12 to get into the title game. The only thing right now between Georgia and taking that next massive step to being the undisputed kings of college football and the standard is TCU. It is a Big 12 team, right? In the year where two Big 10 teams made the college football playoff, neither of them are playing going home. They went home because Georgia on the other side, TCU gets the job done. And so while the job is not finished and the respect would be ultimately earned, and people will diminish TCU's accomplishments, sure. Still, the Big 12 will get respect because they put a team into the championship game. 
They put a team that defied the blue chip ratio. They defied stars mattering. Now, once again, we've mentioned this group all year. And I think this group is very recreatable in the Big 12 because it's actually not like this massively, insanely well-recruited group. But they do have a ton of talent. They do have really good athletes. They, I think they have been disrespected in that space. And I know a lot of you Georgia fans have come and watched the, the channel recently to get some of that TCU Big 12 perspective. Like as scrappy as TCU might appear, Quentin Johnston's a first rounder is a first rounder is a first rounder on any team that he's on. It doesn't matter what league he plays in. He would be one of the best receivers in the country. The problem actually for him is not, is not him at all. It's been injuries and TCU, their ability to get him the football. Darius Davis is a burner, is a burner, is a burner, no matter what league he is. He is not a burner just in Big 12 circles. He is a burner all over the conference uh, or conferences, whatever, wherever he would play, right? Tay Barber is good wherever he would be playing. The screen that he took for a touchdown, that works in any league, that you know, any place that you cut it, that gets the job done. Uh, Johnny Hodges would be good anywhere he goes. Trey Hodges Tomlinson is a top corner anywhere he would go. Josh Newton be a good corner anywhere he goes. Mark Perry, a ton of tackles wherever he would go. Dylan Horton, I know he's undersized, but that guy, I mean, you know, we're like Michael Sam from my alma mater, Missouri, won the SEC player of the year and was an undersized kind of, you know, off, uh, you know, defensive end type situation like that. That That's kind of how they used him. Right. And he was undersized too. Dylan Horton, like not the typical type of guy. He's going to get drafted. He's a good player with the way he plays, man. He lit up K-State, who's got a good offensive line. And he lit up Michigan, who won the Joe Moore Award and had four sacks in that game. So that that's going to play anywhere you go. It might not play next week against Georgia. Who knows? But generally speaking, I think that would play against Georgia's schedule. I think that kind of caliber of play would work. And this is not me saying that TCU is going to win 12 games. They played UGA schedule. I'm not saying that it's not what I'm implying, but I'm saying TCU's talent would carry over to most every other place that, that these, uh, you know, a lot of these guys would play top to bottom, maybe not, but they've developed these guys into a very talented bunch. They're not just a scrappy upstart bunch. They're guys who had talent who have been developed. Like the one thing I think we're, we're kind of not mentioning here about this and this is why we're talking about, hey, is this repeatable? We can do it again. Like Kansas State's group is going to have a tougher time. We saw it against Alabama and Bryce Young. That group has a tougher time against top-level competition because of the way that team is built. Like there is no Quentin Johnston on that team. They don't have many I – mean, you could say Malik Knowles, but like he didn't look that fast on the field the other day. Deuce Vaughn sure hits that massive explosive run, but, you know, it kind of went a little quieter uh, a bit after that. And, you know, with the way that team plays, like, it's just a little bit, it's just a little bit different, right? The way K-State looks and the way TCU looks are different. And look, K-State, they were pretty physical against TCU. They got the job done against TCU. But TCU came back from that game and made all the adjustments necessary against a Michigan team that is pretty damn good, right? And um, once again, TCU is just inches away from beating or from being in a game where they're forcing K-State to score, right? And have to, you know, they had the ball a chance to beat K-State. It's not like K-State absolutely handled them in the end of that game. K-State did well, won that game. They are Big 12 champions, sure. But like, it's not like they, they you know, took care of TCU pretty easily and dispatched of them. That was a really close football game against K-State team that was very good all year. Um, but you saw TCU go up against a higher competition level and play pretty damn well and obviously win the game and, and get here. And so, like, are there going to be years moving forward where Big 12 teams 
get beat up? Will there be Cincinnati versus Alabama? Will there be a K-State against Alabama? Sure, that will happen. And TCU might be a next casualty against Georgia. But this team displayed in a year like this that they can be one of the top four teams and now are one of the top two teams in the country left playing for a championship. This conference will not always offer that, but they can offer that on certain given years. They can produce teams like this, forged from a conference that was not, you know, uh, not top teams that were as tough as the SEC or the Big Ten. But there was no Rutgers in this conference. There was no Northwestern in this conference. There was no Colorado. There was no Stanford. There was no Virginia Tech. There was no UVA this year, right? There was none of those schools. There was no Vanderbilt in this year in the Big 12 conference. There was none of that. And that forged this team that like Sonny Dykes, I know the shot at the SEC, but it was more about like their schedule. No buy since week three, and they kept winning and kept winning and kept winning. Maybe this group is unique to the Big 12, but I actually don't think assembling this level of talent is like ridiculous. I don't think I don't think developing this level of talent is ridiculous, especially when we talk about the caliber of coach that is in this league. And so when we talk about like, is this repeatable or you know, is this a one-off or whatever? I think the Big 12 ultimately deserves respect and should be thought of highly as we move forward. Once again, not as highly as the SEC or the Big Ten. And I, you know, we'll see how the gap grows, but like, this is not just a one-off in my opinion and the league deserves respect in my opinion, because I could see other coaching staffs in this league doing something similar. I know Mike Gundy's down right now, but couldn't we see Mike Gundy adapt a group to its personality and go and win? Hell guys last year. I mean, you know, they're an inch away in the big, in the big 12 championship game. And then also, um, you know, I actually think that catch against Iowa State, like I don't think he was down. I forget it was with Brennan Presley in that game. I don't think Brennan Presley was down against Iowa State. I think the drive should have kept going and Iowa, and they would have had a chance to go and beat Iowa State last year. Um, and they lost them on the road. And I thought that play kind of, you know, I, I didn't agree with the call in that game. They could have gone and they could have done it, right? If Baylor doesn't have the YOLO game against Chandler Morris, uh, you know, they're, they're right there in the competition for making a CFP. And Iowa State too, like I think that group could have been, you know, as talented as that group was, they could have gotten more out of that group. The point being here, these groups come along and there are will there will be opportunities for them in a 12-team playoff. And when we hit that point of the season, once we get to 12 teams, like the respect level is going to have to climb because there are capable coaches who will get the groups over the hump. Will it, will it always be a situation uh, where it's like this year and, and TCU beats Michigan? No. Could more often than not we get in a situation where a team gets thumped like we saw with Kansas State the other day or Cincinnati or whatever. Yes, I'm acknowledging that. But for the Big 12 to make it in the four-team era and for them to get a win in the four-team era against a team that we saw handle, handle Ohio State up front, you know, and they've got a more they've got a more athletic team. And we talked about three, three fives and how they succeed sometimes. It was very important for that to happen for the league. And I think now to kind of, you know, to kind of look at this in the, the greater picture to go from where we were unsure about the future of this league to a place now where a big 12 team is playing for a national title. And it's not the follies of OU who finally got it over the line, right? The three falls of, of Lincoln Riley, if you will, it's not OU finally getting a defense, getting the job done. It's not Texas finally getting all that talent to play well enough together. 
in the last four years, the last two years, it's been four separate teams that are not OU in Texas. This year was a team that went five and seven last year, forged out of defeat, losing their coach, making the change, hiring the right coordinators, developed talent that was pretty much already developed, but now put in the right places to succeed the right transfers. Like this is a recipe that yes, feels like it could have been lightning in a bottle, but also if you look at, at it on its face is actually repeatable. Not every year. It's not going to be repeatable by some Big 12 team every single year. But if you look at how cyclical the Big 12 is and how things will change, I think it is something that we will see again. I think we will see another Big 12 team in a national championship game uh, sooner rather than later because of the way that this league is able to, and now they're going to cover a lot more ground, right? Um, so I think TCU earning the respect for this league is massively important. And look, there will still be the Paul Feinbaums of the world who are diminishing what TCU has accomplished this season and saying it was Michigan choke, whatever. All right, that's going to happen. But for people who know ball, for people, the real fans out there, like all of you out there who are watching this who are not sure if you're Big 12 fans or whatever, but we all know that this team was good enough. We all know that not having a bye since week three and playing that schedule while there was no Alabama on the schedule, while there was no LSU maybe on the schedule, right? There was none of that. Um, they still, you know, Ohio State, or there eventually was an Ohio State of Michigan. They took care of that, that, that problem. Um, but with the schedule they had, they beat everybody on it, right? No matter that loss to K-State, TCU has still beaten everyone on the schedule. And for this group, who is not the most talented Big 12 group to do it, it shows that this can be done once again by a Big 12 school, right? So to me, the conversation piece here being the Big 12 deserves respect, and I think has gotten respect from those folks who know. And look, once again, maybe the coronation of Georgia as the, you know, as the new, new standard is inevitable. It feels a lot of ways. It feels inevitable, right? Um, but TCU is the last... Uh, is the last stand from that happening. A Big 12 school is the last stand from that happening. And they got there by beating a big dog in Michigan who it felt like they were on the path to either beat Ohio State again or play Ohio State again rather, or try to avenge their loss from Georgia and TCU at other plans because of their performance in the semifinal. And um, this was not a one-off. This league deserves respect. I think the league needed this in a lot of ways. It, if we want to like, put a stamp on it and just say like, no disrespect anymore at all. It, it's infallible. It cannot be diminished. They need to win the national championship because there will always be haters and detractors. But for those folks who know, like the, the big 12 does deserve respect for how good it was this year and how it forged a team like TCU, right? Uh, TCU is not in great shape at the end of the year because they were well-rested because they played a bunch of cupcakes all year. They had to play a bunch of, they had to solve a bunch of different puzzles. They ultimately did. They were put in a lot of different situations. They ultimately won. And that's what, that's what brought this group out. And I think that can happen again. Uh, and the fact that also they're not even the big 12 champion, they're not even the big 12 champion. And look, not every season is going to be like this where it is somewhat of a down year. Like I've mentioned this a whole lot on this show. I think generally speaking, it is a down year generally for a lot of the top teams. Um, but that being said, uh, not every year is going to be unlike this year, right? Not every year all the top teams are absolute hammers. I thought last year a top team, Georgia, was a hammer. I thought of Michigan most of the year was a hammer, right? Uh, and they got they get hammered by by Georgia in there. Alabama obviously, you know, recovers and has a great performance in the uh, you know in in the national championship game. Bryce Young was amazing. I'm sure, we'll have more years like that. 
But I think there will be years where things are down. Like these things do kind of go in, in cycles. All right, make sure you guys subscribe to the channel. Follow me on Twitter at LOBig12. You guys can follow me personally at Josh Neighbors underscore. So next time, my friends, as always, stay safe.